This is the Navishit. I'm Father Dave Callahan from the Missionaries of God's Love. This is a podcast for lay people who want to become saints but have never really received a systematic, coherent formation to get them there. So often our formation as Christians is a little bit like building a house with whatever scraps we find at the time, and it's a bit of a jumbled mess. So this is really an attempt to start at the beginning and systematically work our way through and along the way try to show how the faith and the beauty of these spiritual truths really bring to life the lay vocation in the world when you're busy, when you're stressed and you're not living in the secluded harmony and peace of a monastery, you can still become a saint. In the last episode, I mentioned that I was going to talk about the great secret of Christianity, the doctrine which is never spoken about, not because you're not meant to know it, but because often people think you're not going to understand. I spoke in the last episode about heaven, this idea that we can think of heaven as a place or you can think of heaven as a relationship. And that key thing alone changes the whole equation. Because if heaven is just a place, then it's all about what you get. It's the paradise. It's the eternal pleasure. And the question therefore is, why would I deny myself for the reward when I'm not necessarily guaranteed the reward? You know, why not just live pleasure now and create paradise here on earth? And that very much is the logic that most people follow. Whereas if we see heaven as relationship, then the whole story changes. It's no longer this arbitrary list of rules that you've got to follow and jump through hoops and hope that this God likes you and rewards you and then you live happily ever after. But rather it becomes a love story of going deeper and deeper into the heart of God and realizing that The heart of God is your heaven. And this is where it brings us to this key element of our faith. Just sit for a moment and think about your image of heaven. There's a good chance you think of heaven as a place which you get to by passing through the pearly gates. And if it's anything like all those bad Catholic jokes where St. Peter's standing at the gates of heaven asking difficult maths questions, to see whether you're allowed to get in or not. You know, this is often this idea that we're going to be in heaven, but we're still going to be distant from God. In the same way most people feel distant from God here on earth, we still think that the big guy is going to be way, way off in the distance with the great saints, whereas us ordinary mere mortals are just going to be huddling together, enjoying the fact that the rivers flow with ice cream. The way the Catechism talks about heaven is radically different. I just want to read to you what I think is one of the most important passages in the whole of the Catholic Catechism. This is paragraph 260. And before I read it, I've just got to explain a little bit of a theological term. This passage refers to what it calls the divine economy. Now, this is not the fact that God is trading on the stock market. This is a technical theological term for the work of God coming from the, the origins of the word economy being care for the house. So when it talks about the divine economy, it's basically saying the whole work of God from the dawn of time. Now let me just read to you. This is paragraph 260. It says, 
The ultimate end of the whole divine economy is the entry of God's creatures into the perfect unity of the Blessed Trinity. So it's basically saying the whole work of God since the dawn of time has been for one purpose, that you would enter into the perfect unity of the Blessed Trinity. Let me dumb this down a little bit further. It's basically saying you will enter into the heart of the Trinity. Or to summarize it even further, you're going to become part of God. Now, at that point, you might be thinking, oh, hang on, that sounds a little bit New Age or slightly heretical. But actually, if I can quote the first Pope, go back to the second letter of St. Peter, chapter 1, verse 4. Peter's talking about the, the great grace that's been given to us through the Holy Spirit. And he says, thus he has given us through these things his precious and very great promises so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become participants in the divine nature. Let me just read that again. God's given us these gifts, these precious and very great promises, so that through them you can escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become participants in the divine nature. You may not have heard of this before. Now, back in the early church, there was a whole bunch of very holy saints who we, we celebrate every year in the church's liturgy. These great theologians who are referred to as the church fathers. And one of the statements that kept being repeated again and again down through the centuries by all the early church fathers was this one line saying, God became man so that man could become God. Now, recently I was talking to a group about this and I asked them whether they thought this was Christian doctrine. And their first reaction was that actually these theologians probably got it wrong. You know, they were saying, well, you know, this was a few centuries after the scriptures were written. Maybe they didn't know the Bible very well. Maybe they were just misunderstanding the whole idea. Whereas actually it's the other way around. The fact that we think this is strange is because we don't know the Bible very well and because we are detached from the tradition of the Old Testament and the richness of the New Testament and actually we've forgotten one of the most beautiful parts of our faith. To try and summarize this really simply, if you think of the scriptures as basically being a love story, and I'll try and break this open in, in the coming episodes, to really understand Christianity, you've got to think of it as being a marriage. It is a marriage between God and his people, or rather between Jesus and you. The whole point is that God is so madly in love with you. He wants to not just be in a functional master-servant relationship. He wants to be in a relationship which is like husband and wife. And in fact, if you go back to the Old Testament prophet Hosea in chapter 2, there's that beautiful line where God is calling back Israel and he says, see, I'm going to lure her into the wilderness and there I'll speak tenderly to her heart and I'll betroth her to myself in tenderness. And she'll no longer call me my master, but she'll now call me my, my husband. You know, God is really explicit about his intentions. If you start to think of the story like that, then when Jesus steps into the picture, 
we realize that he's not coming in just as another rabbi or just as another good moral teacher trying to point the way to get to heaven, how to follow the rules correctly so you get your heavenly reward. But once again, Jesus states his intention very clearly. He steps on the scene and he calls himself the bridegroom. In fact, John the Baptist calls him the bridegroom. He says, I'm just the friend of the bridegroom and now you, the bride, have met him. I'm out of here. I've done my job. So what we start to see is that God's intention is to be united with us. We're not just following as disciples. We are actually becoming united as spouses. And as I said, I'll try and break this open in coming episodes a bit more. But to give a really quick summary, just stop and think a little bit about how marriage works. You know, two people become one. You know, they enter into a union so great that we, we symbolize this by the fact that the wife takes the husband's name. You know, at the point you get married, you now share possessions. You know, your bank accounts become the same. Your inheritance becomes the same. You, you virtually become the one person. Basically, what we are celebrating here in our faith is the fact that we have been united to Christ to the point where we now become part of his inheritance. If his family is the Trinity, we now become part of the Trinity. You know, we, we symbolize this in our language where we call the church the body of Christ. Now, you can't get more intimate than that. You know, no matter how good you are, how close a friend you are to somebody, you're not going to say, that's part of my body. And yet, as a church, we can actually say this quite literally. We become part of the body of Christ. We, we are Jesus. You know, when you are baptized, you are baptized into the very life of Jesus. It's like Jesus has grabbed you and a tube of superglue and just stuck you to him. That's how connected you are. But then, as Jesus returns into the fullness of the Trinity, he takes you with him. He doesn't separate you. You now become part of the Trinity. If Jesus is there in this infinite dance of love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're right there with him. You're in there. And if you start to think of this line spoken by the the church fathers, God became man so that man could become God. What we're not saying here, we're not saying that your nature is going to change into a divine nature, but rather you participate in the divinity of Christ. Go back to that image of marriage where, you know, Mrs. Smith marries Mr. Brown and she now becomes Mrs. Brown. You know, she takes on his identity, his whole family, his whole possessions, everything. You, mere mortal human being, now become so united to the incarnate God that you now take on, by participation, you become part of the divinity. This changes everything. And I'm going to try and break this open in the next episode just to try and explain to you a little bit more about how you experience this right now. It's not just a random doctrine that we tuck away in the catechism and forget about. This is actually your inheritance right now. This is how you live right now as a layperson in the world. You are already in heaven because you're already part of the Trinity. I'll explain more in the next episode.